0: On this episode, I talk about an art heist, I update everyone on a solved disappearance, I discuss Sherry Papini once again, and I cover a whole bunch of other stuff, including an upcoming wedding. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound Live for September 19th, 2022. Hello, everyone. It is the live show for September 19th, 2022. I hope everybody had a great weekend. Now that the NFL season has started, I don't know what teams you're rooting for out there, but I hope they all won this weekend. Probably not. We have quite a large... uh, audience out there. So I'm going to guess that some of your teams did not win. And that is unfortunate. I uh, listened to a little bit of the Steeler game, but as I've stated in the, 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 the past few years, I'm not as big an NFL fan as I used to be. I mean, I used to get crazed for the Steelers when they would be on. It just, I don't know. It just kind of, Moved on a little bit, I, 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 I uh, take an interest from afar now. I just a lot of maybe different reasons going on there. But being that we're just coming out of the weekend, and of course I see that there are two games on tonight. Not one game, but two games, you know, because one game on a Monday night isn't enough, I guess. But uh, there's two games on tonight. One like started at 7 or something, and the other one just started at 8.30. But that's what's going on now out there. But here, uh, before I get too deep into this, if you are just finding this live show on YouTube for the first time, I hope that you will subscribe to this channel. We've had a a great subscription rate for 2022. We want to keep that uh, going. It seems just like yesterday. We went past 14,000 subscribers Well, now we're like less than 400 away from 15,000 subscribers. Who would have thunk it? And so we're working toward that goal, and I'm pretty sure we'll get to that goal. If things stay the way they are, we will get to that goal 15,000 well before the uh, year is over. So if you're not yet a subscriber to this channel, please subscribe. And if you're listening to the audio podcast... On September 20th, 21st, 22nd, whatever. And if you're still not a subscriber to this YouTube channel, go to YouTube right now and subscribe. I think you're going to like it. And, you know, the biggest comment uh, that seems to, to, at least the way I see it, the biggest comment that I usually get when somebody does it, somebody posts in the comments or sends me an email or something. I continue to get the the comment, man. Your your YouTube channel is so underrated. <laughs> it's so subtly good. I agree. It is underrated. I, I think that uh, there will always be this question in my mind: why uh, we don't have uh, many subscribers? But you know, it's really not a YouTube based. Platform Unfound is uh, an audio podcast and everything else second, So maybe that has something to do with it. But some of those people say, man, I really started looking at your channel. You got a lot of great stuff here. It's very underrated. I agree. So subscribe. And if you're watching this tonight live, please give it a thumbs up. If you're watching it in the replay, give it a thumbs up. You know how that helps us with the YouTube algorithms. Please share this video. If you're a subscriber, make sure the little bell button is uh, pressed there so that when uh, videos get uploaded or this live show comes on, you will be alerted immediately. And then if you're feeling a little more adventurous, want to take one step further, just hit the join button below and you can become a member. You get all sorts of cool stuff for the low, 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 low price of $0.10 a day. And if you're also maybe feeling in a giving mood tonight, maybe you'll hit the super chat button and contribute monetarily to Unfound. We would appreciate it. So what is going on with me? You know I always like to start off the show with a little bit of me. But as you've probably noticed, I've been cutting back on that a little bit. And also regarding this live show, i have started to include more international, national uh, true crime news uh, stories that catch my attention. Uh, that have nothing to do with Unfound, uh, just a gradual change in this live show that you, uh, I hope you will appreciate, and you'll notice as we continue on. But, you know, I, I, um, I've I been practicing practice a little disc golf uh, since we all got together last. I don't have another official PDGA round until, like, October, like, towards the end of October. And it's like, I think... Like the 18th and the 30th or 30, uh, 16th and 30th, something like that. Like one round on one day or another round, like two weeks later. And that will probably be it for PDG rated rounds for 2022. Um, Competing like I did over a week ago up in Floral City. I now have enough points to qualify for Worlds next year in Flagstaff, Arizona. Should I choose to sign up and have enough money to scrounge together to go the whole way out there to play? We shall see, but I at least wanted to give myself the opportunity to go. I now have enough points uh, that I can qualify. I automatically qualify. All I have to to do is pay the registration fee. So it's just going to be me practicing, uh, me maybe going to play doubles tomorrow evening. I didn't go play tomorrow, yesterday morning. Too much to do because of this weird week. So I did a lot of unfound work I usually uh, don't do on weekends. I did that this weekend. And what had to suffer was uh, me getting up to play with the club on Sunday morning. So there's that. I did watch a lot of great disc golf out of Vermont, though, this weekend live. That was very good. Uh, Moving on, uh, maybe some of you caught... The uh, Queen's funeral today, I would admit, I did not watch one second of it. But what was weird is today I had another um, meeting with UK company that continues to work on this series uh, regarding the murder of Janelle Matthews and the trial of Steve Pankey. And I'll be talking about that again in a little bit. But everybody there had a day off. so. Um, The guy that I've been working with there, I'll just give his first name. His first name is Michael. It was kind of a day off, but we decided to do a little video, kind of a snippet type of thing that he's going to use for another trailer, kind of a marketing uh, video. Uh, Anyway, so we did that uh, this morning. I think it um, it was early. What was it? I think it was 930 Eastern time a.m. this morning that uh, we got together, he's in London, I'm here in Clearwater Beach, Florida, Clearwater Beach, Florida, and uh, so he had a day off, and he decided he wanted to get this done, even though technically it it was a day off for everybody in England, and so we did that, and that was about a half hour, and I did that for him before, must have been back in, I don't know, must have been when I was at my dad. So maybe late February is when we did the first one. And they kind of cut it up into a marketing trailer. They're now doing another one. And uh, so we worked on that today over a video. So that's, uh, we probably wouldn't have gotten to do that if the queen's funeral. I'm sure he would have had other things to do. But being that his day off, he decided he was going to work anyway. So there's that. And I see that my uh, nephew Charles is in here, and I I will, of course, uh, recognize all of you who are in the chat tonight here in a moment. But Charles, I haven't even asked you, um, are you coming down here for John's wedding? Now, all of you should know that, um, given that, maybe some of you realize this already, that my brothers and my sister are quite a bit older than I am. And so their children are not that far behind me. Uh, Charles is my oldest uh, nephew. And then I have a niece, um, Ashley, who was born in 1984. And then I have a nephew, John, who was born in December of 85. And uh, for a while now, I guess, uh, you know, that – John, except for myself, John has been the only one that has never been married at all. (laughs) Well, John is getting married uh, not this Thursday, but next Thursday. So like a week and a half from from now, yes, they're getting married on a Thursday. I don't know why. But that is coming up. Um, And so luckily, I guess it's taking place right here in Florida, although it's a little bit of a drive. Uh, From here, I'll have to go across most of uh, Florida uh, over to, is it it Winter Garden or Winter Haven? I forget. It's the one that's like halfway between Orlando and Daytona Beach. It's right around that DeBerry area where there's a couple nice disc golf courses over there. So I know that area. But that is coming up uh, a week and a half from now. So... Once he gets married, I will be be like the only person in my biological or adoptive family who has never been married, and I take great pride in that. Now you should know, of course, John um, is uh, like I said; he was born in eighty five. He's going to be thirty seven, so I guess that's uh, a more than the average age that a guy is when when men get married but uh he's been with this young woman i don't know for three or four years now i've had a chance to meet her a couple times she's come down here they've come down here uh and have stayed at my brother brian's it's my brother brian's son and they've stayed with him we've gone out to eat and they live in they did live in portland oregon but they moved to Vancouver, Washington. So that's like right over the border from Oregon. And so I'm going to be going to his wedding uh, here in a week and a half. So we'll see how that goes. But I I didn't even have a chance to ask you, uh, Charles, if you're going to be coming down, maybe not uh, given that you have kids and they're going to school and everything else, but um, everybody else, uh, will be here, of course, uh, John's sister, Ashley and her husband and their daughter will be here. My brother, Michael, from Pennsylvania, is uh, even uh, going to be coming down for the wedding. He, you know, it's one of those funny things. That he comes to Florida once in a while, but he never comes and sees me and Brian. I don't know, but he has friends who lives who live in other parts of the state. And so I think even though I've lived here almost 11 years, it'll be 11 years that I've lived in Florida at the end of this month that I think I've never seen him here in Florida since I've lived in Florida, even though he's been in Florida. So this will be a first coming up next Thursday, but John is getting married and, uh, that's just the way it goes. I, I didn't know, and I know I did not try to talk him out of it. I did not do that. But I can remember John. Uh, he, uh, his, uh, his uh, father, my brother Brian, would drop him and uh, his sister Ashley off in, Las Ve- off in Las Vegas. I think this would have been about 1999. So he would have been like 13. She would have been 14, something like that. And he would just leave meet with them for like a couple of days and I lived in an apartment. Uh, it had a pool. It had a gym. It had a racquetball court, but you know, we went to the movies. Uh, we went and played, um, you know, to the arcades. We, you know, I was a pretty good uh pretty good dad for those couple days, but maybe no more than a couple days. But Brian never had any problems dropping them off with me. And John, uh Ashley, maybe that was just once or twice. John more than that. And we had a good time. And so it's uh it's really weird. I must be getting old or something that uh that now uh both of them are going to be married. Uh and uh, of course my nephew uh Charles here um if i may say charles he's into his 40s now so uh there's that so i'll be going there next thursday which means i'm gonna miss trivia this thursday due to being at nova southeastern university and then i'm gonna miss trivia the thursday after that because of um going to this wedding and then I think I'm going to miss trivia the Thursday after that because I'm going to be going to the United States Disc Golf Championships in South Carolina. Wow, I'm not going to be a trivia for a while. I hope the team uh, does okay without me. So there you go. Uh, let's all All right, so let's see who I is in here, and then we can get into the... You know, the meat portion of the show. Just to this point, it's mostly been bread. Uh, Everything 2020, we had that joke last week. Everything's just going to wait until, I think, maybe 2023 to change it to 2023. That's funny. Hello, Karen. LaFord, good to see you. Moana with her little funny uh, picture there. What is that picture of? That's funny. The Real coming to us from Australia. Charles, Nephew Charles. Good evening, everyone. I'll go ahead. Hello to you. Rock on, Charles. Going to be, I think you already know the information I'll be talking about here in a little bit, Charles. But hello, uh, Jasmine. Uh, Sheree, thank you for moderating tonight. Twinkle, Kathy, Carrie, I'm here, but probably only for a little while. Okay, Carrie, Assistant Carrie. The real um says I did. I was up all night watching the watching the ceremony. Wow. Okay. Uh, the real uh played it on my phone while I worked. The she's uh, Carrie saying about the um the funeral and Twinkle saying hi to everybody and the Black Sheep, Everything calls me uh, the black sheep. Ed. Um, I I am unique everything. I am unique. Thank you. Hello, Deborah. What's going on, Deborah? Good to see you with the funny, uh, sticky, sticking out smiley sign. And uh, Charles, you are going to be coming down. uh, I guess is that a yep for coming down to Florida for the wedding? Excellent. So I guess I'll see you in a week and a half. And Carrie says, I can't picture you entertaining teens, preteens. Well, Carrie, uh, what can I say? I was young. It was the 90s. And Puma agrees. Well, be nice, Puma. That's funny. She's laughing. Okay, and Lisa, how are you? Good to see you. So, moving on. Uh, I want to sh- want to share something with all of you. You know how I love to do show and tell. Um, oh, you're not coming down for the wedding. Okay, Charles. Uh, yep, to being 44, the, the double four. I remember me being 44. It was a good year, 2014. All right, Charles. Well, I think you and I might be seeing each other anyway, uh, within the next couple months, right? Maybe, maybe we'll see if we can make it happen. But you all know how I love to make, uh, how I love to do show and tell, And for all you audio people. I'm sorry, but I received, uh, a couple gifts, uh, this past week. And now you remember that while I was at uh, masters worlds in illinois there was a woman whose uh, husband was playing he was she was being his caddy and she came up to me toward the end of the round and admitted you know i'm a big fan of your podcast and everything so we had a very nice conversation i've already talked about this but she had gotten uh, my information address and everything and she said that she and her husband have this business that they do wood carving and they do i think they do other things besides what i'm going to show here in a moment and so she wanted to to send me a couple gifts, something once they got back to um uh, where they're from. and uh, I finally got them. I, I and I'm not saying I forgot about it, but you know it's one of those things you know people say they're gonna do something in the moment, and then they get off to other things, but uh, I, I have to say that I got them in the mail just a couple days ago and they're fantastic. And I love them and I cannot thank her enough. So I'm going to show you what these are. First of all, these are supposed to be, but they're so nice. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to use them. These are disc golf markers. So what these are is that when you throw a disc and you throw it onto the fair it lands. You can just leave the disc sit there and play from it, standing behind it, or you can mark it and pick it up. You may want to throw that disc again, or maybe you just want to wipe that disc off or whatever, but you have the opportunity to pick that disc up, put a marker where that disc is, and then stand there. And players can get very uh, creative, uh, very artistic with their markers as they can with discs themselves because the discs are plastic they lend themselves to being colored very easily with all sorts of different things psychedelic colors and all all that all sorts of different designs i'm not so much into that but a lot of players are so she made me they made me two wooden disc golf markers and these are fantastic. I'm going to show them to you right now. First of all, I'm going to show you the one with the unfound logo. Is that the coolest like thing you've ever seen or what? I mean, I I get a lot of cool stuff. And every one of them is spectacular. You just never know, uh, you know where it's going to come from, what it's going to be. But how neat is this? So you can see how big it is. Uh, maybe three inches across, three and a half inches across something. But it is wood. And it has the un- it has the unfound logo actually etched it. That's not a a, a, mar- or a sticker or anything. That is actually carved into the wood. Is that neat or what? I mean, that is just, it, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. So I got another one. That's the first one. This is the second one. And this is, uh, and I'll explain this to you. This is the event where I met these two. Um, the two people, um, of course, this was the logo for, uh, masters worlds in Illinois, where I was in July. This was the logo right here. So, you know, they put the zero, they put this here in the basket instead of the zero. And then it it reads PGA masters and junior disc golf below it. And it says, of course, world championships. And then it has my, uh, name. And what is so interesting about my name being etched there, that is the logo, that that is the font that I use for my name for unfound stuff. And then under that, you're wondering what that 50532 is. That is my PDGA number. So when you sign up, you get assigned a number. And uh, what that means is I was the 50,532nd person to ever become a PDGA member, Professional Disc Golf Association member. I got that number late 2011, early 2012. Those numbers are up to, because they go numerically. So the person who signed up right after me got 50533, and then it's 50534, et cetera. Um, that number is now up into the 200,000s. So it took like, um, I don't know, 30 years to get to 50,000, but it only look, took like 10 years to, get to go another 150,000. I'm telling you, the sport is blowing up. But that is my PDGA number, and you must be a PDGA member with a number to now compete in tournaments. Uh, used to be they'd make exceptions here and there. Uh, No more. If you want to play in a tournament, you have to be a card-carrying member of the PDGA, and it has dues and everything. And I've been a member for like 11 years now. So that's what it is. The logo, uh, what the event was, my name, and then my PDGA number, 50532. Just completely blown away. So I'm guessing they also do other things with wood. So I'm just going to put – I'm just going to read uh, – I'm just going to put this business card up to the camera. There is their business card. That is the guy uh, that I played with, Jeff Gratinger, right there. And you can see that their email is Jeff at dot com. so D-G-Nomad.com. And you can see there's their logo on there, D-G-Nomad. And the number is, let's see if I can read this backwards. No, I can't. 816 500 1014. So if you um, maybe need some artistic art or uh, woodworking done, you know, I'm guessing they probably do have the opportunity to do things outside of disc golf. But maybe you want to email or call them and see if they can help you out for some idea that you have. So there you go. Just completely blown away. So I cannot thank them. Whoops. I cannot thank them enough. But like I said, they're so nice that I'm sure I will never use them for out on the disc golf course. They're going to be displayed prominently like I have other things disc golf related displayed here in my place so i want to do a little show and telling for you and i'm sorry sorry for the audio people they didn't get to see that i did post um those pictures though on uh, in the discussion group on facebook so there you go uh Valerie says that's such a nice gift how thoughtful wow the says the real vet's really cool lasso hello everyone what's going on lasso lacy how are you Carrie, they, those are really cool. They are. Uh, hope to see them in here soon. Uh, Puma, just thought, such thought and detail. Those are really nice. I I know they're really nice. I mean, really nice. So I will find a nice place to put them. All right, moving on to now the uh, the the true crime uh, news part of the, the show, both unfound and non-found related. You know that I always start out with the poll that is conducted in the discussion group on Facebook um, every week. This is a poll that I post on Saturday mornings, pretty much without air. And I try to be as creative and as complete with the answers that I can be. And sometimes that's a little tough, <laughs> to be honest. But I do my best. And this week I gave, I think I had five or six different choices that you could select from for the disappearance of Paris Hobson. And I just want to say uh, Paris Hobson's, you know, is um, one of those disappearances where, of course, writing the Patreon blog, I I, I have to, uh, I make the promise that I come to a conclusion for everyone. And of course, sometimes I've been wrong, but it's really hard to pick one. It just And of course, there's also... You know, there's also the always the hope being that she she seemed to be such a great person that you hope she's still alive out there somewhere, even though we know that the odds of that being true are alone. then that kind of sentimentality, those feelings get in the way of making a very black and white decision about what happened for a disappearance. So the question in this poll in the discussion group was very straightforward. What happened to to Paris Hobson? And in the discussion group, uh, 90% of the people who answered the poll overall, 90% of them picked that someone else picked Paris up, meaning the guy from Worcester whose name was deleted from the interview. And I hope you all could live with how I had to do that. But someone else, not he, not him, he, not he, picked her up. So my guess, just having a a kind of um, podcast host intuition on this, my guess then is you're thinking maybe the married man that she had sex with. Of course, he admitted to it. So we're not – I don't know. We can doubt that. Maybe thinking he was the – maybe thinking he was the guy, the person who picked her up. But someone else, not the Worcester friend, picked her up. In the think tank, it was probably one of the most mixed uh, answers that we've ever had in the think tank. Um, In that, we had a couple people who agreed with the poll in the discussion group saying that yes, it was someone else who picked her up, and something, of course, unfortunately bad happened. And then there were some people who, like Twinkle's in here, if I can say Twinkle, you believe that she. Uh, unfortunately was having some depression or something going on with her mentally and walked right, she didn't go to the park, she walked right to the river. Can't argue with that. So a couple people went that direction in the think tank and then there were those of us who decided that um, the actually the Worcester guy, the guy whose name, once again, who got deleted from the episode, uh, he was the guy, he was the person who picked her up and something happened there. So it wasn't split like 33%, 33%, 33%, but it was close. It was as close as I can ever remember uh, a disappearance uh, theory being. Because you should know um, if you don't know what the think tank is, you can go to patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast to find out. Whereas what we do for like the first hour in the think tank starting at 7 p.m. Eastern, I ask. Uh, the think tank members, a series of insightful questions. I call them points to ponder. And I really try to push the members to really, you know, get their brains involved, really thinking deep. Does this fact make sense? How does this fact relate to this fact? We really, really get deep into that in the think tank. And it's the only one of its kind in the entire world. That's why you should join. But at the end, after I've kind of probed everybody's minds, and I give my opinions on those same questions as well. Then, for like the last 15 minutes, I allow or I get everybody to voice their own opinions on what happened. What is your personal theory regarding the disappearance of, for, in this week, Paris Hobson? When we did that, and this has been going on since the beginning of 2019, and that's how we conduct every one of them. So at the end, everybody gets to voice their opinions, their insights they kind of uh, get to make uh, arguments for why they think the the way they do nobody's right nobody's wrong but it's always very interesting to me to see how things are going to you know play out and like i said most of the time i wouldn't i i would say it's maybe rare that we get total consensus like 100% of the people who are in there it's not usually that big a group 8 to 12 people maybe but rare is it a blanket everybody thinks the same. But this week, with everything almost being, you know, spread out evenly between those three choices—between her walking off, somebody else p- had picked her up, or the Worcester guy picked it up, picked her up—that uh, is rare. And so it was a really good think tank. Once again, I think you should uh, consider joining. Go to Patreon.com/slash. Unfound Podcast. Whoops, let me turn that off. Because it's going to keep dinging. Um, Now, I will tell you that I thought uh, that, you know, we are allowing comments on YouTube now, if you don't know. That's been a change kind of that's happened this year. And I, I have to say, everybody's behaved themselves pretty well. Once in a while, we get some spam. Once in a while, we get a couple snarky comments that I delete. But I have to say, for the most part, it's been okay. But there was a very insightful comment uh, written sometime within the last two days that said, you know, right there at the park, there is a bus stop. Somebody actually looked into this and discovered there is a there is a bus, a local bus that stops at the park probably every day. And so this viewer slash listener uh, is very open to the idea. Did she go over there and get on a bus? Something I never considered. And so these, I love this type of stuff. I love it when somebody really listens and is really thinking about the episode. Isn't just doing it in the background as they're doing whatever else, really paying attention, watching the map analysis video. I love it. These are the things that I love when people really pay attention because this is how new thoughts get created. And so this person said, you know, I'm really open to the idea that you got on a bus. I think it's a great idea. And you will see my response back that I really congratulated this person on really thinking like that. Now, I will say, on the other hand, that you would think, of course, these things can be overlooked, but overlooked, but. You would think on Christmas Day that, you know, it was big news in that area of Massillon, Ohio that Paris Hobson went missing and where she went missing from and how she walked to this park. You would think that the bus driver would remember that, especially since it's Christmas Day. You would think that you'd have less riders on Christmas Day than you would have on a normal day. And this driver would remember picking up one lone woman at a park, not an, and of course, a woman from outside the area, not a normal rider that you'd think that driver would have come forward and you would think that we would know about that now or Rochelle would know about that. You would think. Maybe not. Maybe this person has come forward and we just don't know about it. The police have kept it a secret. Certainly possible would not be my first choice, but certainly possible. So I think it's a fantastic idea. It's not something I considered. It's not something that came up in the think tank, but I think that we also have to think through it a little bit more and so you know what what then does that mean it, obviously it means she was going somewhere maybe to the institute maybe somewhere else and it might be helpful to know is the same bus driver who was working that route in december 2019 is that same bus driver working that route now so maybe there's a new avenue of uh, inquiry there so i congratulate congratulate that viewer on YouTube who um, brought that up. Great idea. Nicely done. Uh, Let's see. uh, Lasso says, I want to play those video games. Uh, For all you audio people, what Lasso's commenting on is that over my left shoulder uh, in the video, I actually have two video games uh, in my place. One is Pac-Man. I think it's Pac-Man and Pac-Man 2 combined. And then the other one is Street Fighter 2, and then Street Fighter, the one that came out of it, after it. These are not original machines, okay? I don't want you to think that these are, like, from the 1980s. Those are very expensive, although I'd love to have one. Um, These are one of those ones that you can get, like, in the boxes, and you put them together yourself. These are both uh, those. You can't tell from here, but they're kind of smaller in size compared to the arcade games from the 1980s. But really, for the most part, they're just kind of for a vibe in my place. Um, I, you know, maybe once in a while. Uh, but I'm I'm really not that big of a video game guy. But I like you know having you know as you know I have the the, the heavy metal posters hanging in my place. I got the lava lamp right here. Maybe you haven't seen that because it's off camera. Um, but I ha- I have a certain vibe going on in this bachelor pad of mine. So um, I think that kind of adds to it. And, you know, when I'm playing my music here and you got the video the video games there and everything going on, it just is a, a good place for me. And it's a good place uh, to get work done because I got to create uh, the right vibe. But thank you, Lasso, for uh, pointing that out. They do work. Um, and like I said, I play them once in a while, but not as much as you might think. Um, Puma, I always forget to do the poll. Well, maybe you'll remember this week, Puma, because we'll certainly need it for this Friday's episode. Uh, hello, LaRoracle. What's going on with you? Uh, I'll have you know, LaRoracle, that that person you sent to me, I emailed the person, but the person has not gotten back to me again yet. So maybe you can look into that for me maybe not of course during the live show tonight maybe tomorrow or something. Uh Lasso's reminding everybody to hit the thumbs up. Uh Lasso says I didn't think the buses ran on holidays. It probably just depends on the on the place Lasso but maybe that's also something that needs to be looked into. Lasso I agree I doubt that many buses run on Christmas day. And Shree is uh, obviously doing double duty moderating the show and Watching her Astros clinch the AO West. Well, happy for you, Cherie. Uh Lassa still thinks the arcade games are awesome. Thank you. Uh, they're available, I think. I got both of those at Walmart. Uh, they come in like in cardboard boxes and all the wood and electronics and everything and directions. You need like maybe it would help if you had a power screwdriver, electric screwdriver, or something to put them together. I put both of them together. I don't know, maybe three hours total or something like that. And, you know, they're not cheap, but they're certainly cheaper than if you wanted to get an original game from the 1980s. Um, Kathy's talking about baseball. Uh, the oracle says, I will see if I can get a hold of them and see what's going on, let you know. Thank you, the Oracle, Okay. So that is the Paris Hobson poll. Uh, as usually is the case, probably a month from now, if I do not speak to her sooner... I will get back in touch with Rorkel, see how she's doing, tell her how the episode was um, received, um, make sure she understands that she can contact me anytime, give her some of my additional insights, and maybe you know, give her some suggestions that have come up since the episode has come out. But I do that for all of the guests who are on and found. And in fact, uh, just today I had a little back and forth with uh, Bruce Ricketts, who of course was the guest for the Pickering six. Speaking of that, um, he and I got talking about his book and I hope that some of you will go to Amazon. It's, I don't think the book is out yet, but you can uh, buy it in the pre-sale. Why don't you go to, um, why don't you go check his book out? Just do a search for Bruce Ricketts on Amazon and consider buying his book. It's a book about the Prickering Six, all the work that he's done. Uh, I've not seen the book because it's not out yet. Maybe I hope to get a copy. But uh, I'm sure it has pictures and diagrams and all the work that he has done over the years. Maybe even in, you know, I'm going to guess maybe even in more, obviously in more detail than maybe we could do in an interview situation. But you should, I think, consider um, buying it Uh I'm hoping – I know it's out as a print edition, but uh, I'm hoping that it is in an e-book too. That, that would be helpful to everybody, especially now here in 2022. So why don't you do that? Please consider going to Amazon and looking up Bruce Ricketts and for his book, Having to Do with the Disappearance of the Six Young Men, a disappearance we covered back in August. Moving on, um Let's go to – I'll come back to some unfound news here in a bit. But I want to talk about some national news and some things that have gone on that made the news since uh, last Monday. And I want to talk about an art theft. You know, I'm not much into art. I've gone to the Salvador Dali Museum down here. If you didn't know, it's right here in St. Petersburg, Florida. I went there several years ago. Uh, I went with my brother, his wife. I think uh, Charles's mother, Diane, my sister, was there. Uh, My biological mother was still there before she passed away in 2018 and had a great time. I I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm into art, but nothing (laughs) catches my attention other than disappearances in the news like a good art heist. And so I want to read this story to you. It was a heist that was as brazen as it was simple. On the morning of November 29th, 1985, so almost 40 years ago, a couple entered the University of Arizona Museum of Art in Tucson, Arizona. Within minutes, Woman Ochre, a painting by the Dutch-American artist Willem de Koenig, was gone. The museum's curator, Oliver Olivia Miller, described the theft in a podcast interview on the j paul getty museum's website the building was just opening up for the day there was a man and woman sitting outside in the courtyard and a staff member entered the building and they came in behind him the security guards are not yet all taken had not yet all taken their positions in the building the man proceeded upstairs to the second floor and the security guard began upstairs to go take her position up there as well but the woman stopped her to talk to her about the painting that hangs in the stairwell We now know that that was clearly a method to distract her and prevent her from going upstairs, the security guard. About five to ten minutes later, the man came back down and the couple left the museum. The security guard continued upstairs, walked through the galleries, and that's when she realized that woman ochre had been cut from its frame. The thieves left no fingerprints and the museum didn't have a camera system at the time. Of course, this was 1985. The painting would remain missing for 32 years. But then the painting resurfaced. In 2017, David Van Ocker, the co-owner of a furniture and antique store in Silver City, New Mexico, paid $2,000 dollars for a collection of items and estate sale of an estate sale at a home in a small town outside of the city. The home belonged to Jerry and Rita Alter, ALTER. Both former public school employees, Jerry was a Sunday painter or hobbyist, and the couple were known to be adventurous. They traveled to like 120 countries, said Miller. Among Van Ocker's purchases was a painting that had hung behind the the couple's bedroom door, he told CNBC. Van Ocker put the painting in his store where customers immediately started to ask about it, he said. But it wasn't until a customer offered him two hundred thousand dollars for it that he and his co-owners co-owners decided to investigate the customer thought it might be worth far more and wanted to pay us fairly for it van Outker said we searched google and found the article about the theft a moment to remember Miller was talking to a colleague in her office when she heard a strange conversation over the museum's security radio. A security guard said there was a man on the phone who claimed to have the museum stolen painting. My coworker and I just stopped our conversation and looked at each other. Are we going to remember this moment for the rest of our lives? Still Miller said the moment wasn't one of instant excitement. She said that while the man on the phone, which turned out to be Van Ocker, sounded very genuine She was concerned he could have a reproduction of some kind, so she asked him for photos. That's when the FBI got involved instructing, uh, but those photos proved to be the painting. That's when the FBI got involved instructing Van Auker to quickly remove it from his store, said Miller. She said he stored it at a friend's house until the museum could pick it up. And so then the rest of the story is about how badly damaged it was because the people who stole it had rolled it up and it cracked the paint. And so even once they got it back, you know they had to do all of that touching up and everything to get it back to a uh, you know a presentable look. Kind of touching up on the work uh, that the artist did, you know the paint that painter did all back in the day. In fact, they said it was in very. Poor condition. It had horizontal cracks across it. Um, and then they talk a little bit about the the conservation process. It took two and a half years to get it back to the point that it was presentable to the public again. Two and a half years. And you've probably seen, you know, maybe there's been movies about this art heist movies like the Thomas Crown Affair, etc. Where they actually show people doing that. And all day they got these. They've got these lights, they've got these magnifying glasses, and they're just going so slowly. I can't imagine the kind of patience you need to do that. So um, it took three years now the and after a, a short expedition exhibition at the Getty Center, Woman Oakre is headed back to the University of Arizona's Museum of Art, where it will open to the public via a special expi- expi- exhibition starting October eighth so it's still not uh for public view once the exhibition is over in may will indeed move back up to the very wall it was stolen from where it will stay for many 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 years to come the curator said um just so you know how much some of these paint uh paintings by this kooning kooning guy go for hedge fund billionaire stephen a cohen bought a deconings woman three for $137.5 million in a private sale in 2006, according to the New York Times. While Woman Ochre isn't part of de Kooning's numbered woman series, similar de Kooning paintings from the mid-1950s have sold for $4.5 million to $69 million. Crazy. And so... Uh, Of course, the FBI is still on the case trying to figure out who stole it. Of course, the issue is that these two people who had the painting are now deceased. And that's why this estate sale, of course, was happening. But you should know, after this heist happened in 1985, uh, there were sketches drawn of the two people. And a lot of people who have been following this for years uh, do believe that the two people who had this painting who were had it up in their house, but were kind of hiding it at the same time. They t- believe these two public school employees were the ones who stole it. You know, I, I, it's one of those things, people are so uh, unpredictable. You start wondering, why would two people educated, good jobs, everything else take the risk of stealing a painting and even if they get away with it that day, taking the risk that they will get caught with it, and knowing that they will go to jail for many, many years—that's a, of course, the FBI involved. That's a federal offense. You just, you just never know. And I think that although we don't do art heists at Unfound. Art heists, I guess, are a form of disappearance. A painting is there and then it's not there and it's somewhere and nobody can find it. That's it's a disappearance. So I think, you know, we just have to remember that people are unpredictable, that um, we unfortunately start thinking about people who have walked off and say, well, they would never do that. Well, I'm sure people who knew these two would, would have said, oh, those people would never steal, a, you know, a painting out of a museum. But it seems that what's that's that's what they did. So I wanted to pass the story along to you. Uh, it's a fascinating story. Uh, I, uh, you know, in reading about this, I went back and looked at the Gardner Museum in in Boston, which is the biggest art heist in history that is still unsolved. Those paintings and there were other things that were taken still have never been recovered, and that's been thirty years. Um, so. These things do fascinate me, but that probably does not surprise any of you. So there you um, go with that story. Uh, just seeing what some of you are saying. Uh, Shree says, me too. I love heist. The planning, the mystery, the gut's always fascinating to me. I've seen the Mona Lisa, and you can't get close enough to sneeze, sneeze on it. So it's amazing to me. Yeah, because the Mona Lisa was stolen once. It was stolen at one point, Shri, and they got it back. Uh, Valerie says I just got back from Arizona. Wow. Um, you, you, Veronica, you don't have to apologize about being late. I'm the only person that's not allowed to be late. Uh, Sheree says the Mona Lisa was underwhelming to me. Look at you, uh, Sheree. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's a cool story. I think it's a cool story. Uh, hello, everybody. I felt the same way. Such a letdown. Lasso also saying the Mona Lisa was a big letdown for, for um, her. Uh, I think it's her. Uh, Fairy Magic, hello, Fairy. How are you doing? Uh, M says, I have you both on my iPhone and iPad. Well, I'm kind of like in stereo or something then, M, right? Um, Veronica, I'm here for a little distraction. Oh, Veronica, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm really, really sorry to hear that, uh, Veronica. The, I, I've been there myself, as as many of you know, uh, with my mother. I, I was there, you know, uh, doing the same thing. Veronica, um, thinking of you in this time. Very, very sad. Sorry to hear that. Sheree says Dale Kerastater sort of like a heist. Shirt. Certainly, in platinum was stolen, and of course, he is still missing. Uh, imagine, uh, Stephanie says, imagine finding out your teacher did that. Yeah. I'd be like the coolest teacher ever. Um, the Oracle said they do new luck, not look like people who would steal anything based on their pictures. Crazy. They stole it and kept it that long. Yeah. Yeah. Just never know what's going on behind closed doors with people. You just never tell. So I wanted to pass that story, uh, along to you. Cause it's kind of a disappearance story moving on. Let's get back to unfound stuff. And I will get to some more national news here in a moment. Um, speaking tomorrow at Florida Southern college, which is an hour and a half in that direction. Um, I will be speaking at 9am to 10 15am. I spoke with the professor through email tonight. I'm really looking forward to it. This will be my first appearance uh, at this school. Uh, I've been to Lakeland a few times, but I don't know if I've ever come close to the campus, so uh, I'll be there. I plan to video it, and I'm telling you right now that if you are a member, if you've joined and are a member of this channel, or you are a Patreon supporter, the video will be available to you to watch uh, once I upload it. All of you, uh, everybody else... You're just going to have to imagine it. So uh, you may want to think about becoming a member here or becoming a member on Patreon. Please consider it. But I will be videoing uh, tomorrow's speaking engagement. I I do that also to watch myself. You should know it's not not for your enjoyment, so you get to watch it eventually. It's for my use as well. So that'll be Tuesday. And then on Thursday, it will be way down near Miami I will be at Nova Southeastern University joining a friend of the program, all of our friend uh Dr Telesco. I will be speaking there I think it's at eleven a m just like it was last time and after we 're all going to go to lunch, Dr Telesco myself, maybe some of her assistants, I think the dean of the of the school and some other people were all going to go to the place we went last year, which was a fantastic place to eat. I'm really looking forward to all of that, but you have to remember I'm speaking there. And then we are doing a live show that evening at 7 PM over on the, on the Nova Southeastern university uh, YouTube channel. And I'm hoping that uh, Dr. Telesco gets that link set up so I can get it to all of you so you can be prepared, but we're just going to be, we're not going to be talking about a specific disappearance this week. We're going to be just talking about disappearances in general, um, uh, the the dynamics of them, the structure of them, why they happen, what is you know what is going on with the investigation uh, of disappearances in the 21st century. Um, we have an outline, of course, that we're going to be following. Excuse me. Um, so that's that will be the topic of discussion on Thursday evening, but she and I will be right there. uh, You know, right. You know, she'll probably be like, I'll be here. She'll be right here uh, talking together. And this is the way it was supposed to be way back in 2020 before COVID hit. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. Um, What's everybody saying here? Um, I had pizza for the first time weeks. Well, good for you, Marlene. I'll be having pizza, I guess on Thursday. Uh, that's very nice, Marlene. Um, Marlene says, when saw Iron Maiden at Ball Arena, saw the pic, so cool. Uh, the props, I will be going to Iron Maiden here in October, but unfortunately I just got word that my buddy Doug is not going to be able to uh, make it, so I'm going to have to find somebody else to go with me. Veronica, while well, I had a busy man, yeah, I, I am a very busy man. That is true. So Nova Southeastern, so I'll be, uh, I'll be there all day. So I'll get there, do the presentation, go to lunch, and then I'll just hang out on the campus. As long as they have Wi-Fi, I'll be fine. And then uh, that evening, 7 o'clock, we'll do the show. And after the show's done, I will drive the whole way back here to um, Clearwater Beach. It's about a four-hour drive, which is really no big deal. I am going to be driving down there on Wednesday and staying overnight so I can be there uh, bright and early. Now, here is uh, some big news uh, that some of you already know, but many of you probably do not. But last Friday, I got the call. Uh, It seems, at least at this point that I will be required to go back to Greeley, Colorado to take part in the retrial of Steve Pankey. It's so weird how it happened. I was just sitting right over here doing some work on Friday. Of course, the episode was about to come out or uh, on Friday. And the phone rang, and usually I don't pick it up if I don't know the number, but for some reason I did that this time. And it was Irma from the district attorney's office. I remember her well from last year. She asked me if I remembered her. And I said, uh, yeah, (laughs) kind of in a, I I don't know if the word is sarcastic, some tone like that, because I knew she was, as soon as she said who it was, I knew why she was calling. So, uh, this Friday, this coming Friday, I will be having a conference call once again, just like what happened last year, uh, with uh, the people in that office regarding, I guess, the same topic. The interview I did with Steve, and I, I'm guessing maybe not, but I'm thinking it seems to all be going the same as last year. That some point I'm going to guess later in October that which may put all you know other things I have planned. In the month, you know, have to put them to the wayside. Um, I think I'm going to get to see Greeley, Colorado again. So, Charles, that's what I said early in this conversation. My nephew, Charles, who's in the chat, uh, he lives in Colorado. In fact, he and his sons came to see me while I was there last year. Um, We might be getting together again uh, in October. We'll just have to see. We'll see how the conference call goes you know like like i said i i think that given it seems the only reason they would call me is because they're going to use the the interview again and i think legally probably to use the interview they'll they'd probably have to have me there so i think i guess it's unavoidable so there you go uh, i told you uh, yeah, the funny thing is that all of you predicted that Most of you. I had asked that question a couple weeks ago. Do you think I will be headed back to Greeley again? My assistants thought so. The people I think in the think tank thought so. And then all of you thought so. And all of you were right. And here I was thinking that the opposite. So that's going to happen Friday. I think it's uh, 1230 my time on Friday. Of course, I will not be able to talk about what goes on during the conversation. And as I think I will just follow the protocol that I did last year for myself, that once it is uh, for sure that I'm going out there and that I will appear that, um, you know, I'm just not going to talk about it until it's over. That's what I did last year, and I felt really good about that. So that's how I will handle it again uh, this year. It just felt like the right thing to do. Uh, (laughs) uh, Let's see what everybody's – Jasmine said, I just said this last week. The Real says, I thought that would probably happen. Deborah, I told you. Puma says, called it. M says, me too. I thought you would be too – um, Veronica says I had a feeling they would call you back for the case. Marlene Wall, Colorado again. Um, do they cover your travel expenses? They do, Veronica. They cover the flight and me staying at this hotel. It's a very nice hotel in Greeley, uh, dare I say it. Uh it's very convenient. It's just across this park from the courthouse. It's like a quarter mile walk from the from the, the hotel to where the court the courthouse is and um you know I, I thought everything there was really nice uh, I had a very good time out there you know especially considering that I, I got to see my nephew and his his sons uh, there but you know I had this pizza place I got pizza there two nights I think it was fantastic but yeah they cover the flying and and the staying there I have to um, they pay for the travel to get from the airport in Denver, up there and back. They pay for all of that. And I just have to pay for anything that I'm you know, going to eat or drink or anything else I do there, which is fine. Because uh, that's I'd have to do that here if I was here in Clearwater Beach anyway. So like I said, uh, conference call on Friday, probably not be able to talk about it. Even though they never gave me any restrictions last year, I just like to play it safe because I don't want to get there and then get up on the stand under oath and, you know, things go weirdly or something. So I'm just going to avoid all of that. Because like I've said more than once, I'm too good looking to go to jail. So um, coffee says I got it wrong too, Ed. Well, we'll be together then, coffee. It's okay. Uh, Our egos will be bruised for a little bit. Um, what else? It's nice. They pay. Well, yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be going if they weren't going to pay for all of that. That is just too much money, especially these days. Um, it's good. They pay. Yeah, it is. Yep. Give, uh, once again, give everybody, give this video a thumbs up. Moving on. Let's talk about everybody's favorite liar, Sherry Papini. Um, I'll just read this story that, um, today she got 18 months. Uh, she got sentenced today. Uh, I think a lot of people were hoping she would get more time than that, but 18 months is actually longer than I think a lot of people expect her to to get. So she's gonna be in jail for eighteen months. And I think this is a combination of how she continued to lie, even though when things were clear and she tried to even after even after she was originally questioned regarding all this and she kind of knew that they were onto her. she's continued to be out there lying and everything, of course. We also know she took that money in California for for victims, and she's going to have to pay all that back. And it's three hundred thousand dollars restitution that she's going to have to pay. Who knows how long that's going to take? Because she, you know, she's not going to have a job for a while. I mean, imagine any of us. You know, you know, if, for I think for any of us, if we were asked to pay three hundred thousand dollars in restitution, I mean, while you're at it, why not just making a million? So, um, I think what really got, uh, the judge and everybody else is that at least until the end, she showed no remorse for what she did. None. Zero. And there was a great story about how that the DNA was what caught her that when they did take some of her items after she had come back. And started testing them, and we know how long DNA testing takes, especially you know unfound. We surely know how long that takes. Um, the end. It ended up that this DNA was you know it was eventually connected to one of Rex's boyfriends, and then once he was confronted, he just spilled everything. And that's probably what saved him from being charged with anything or having to pay anything, uh, being that when he was confronted, he just you know, said everything he had to say and you know told them all how you know it all went down. But um what the um what the prosecutor said, let me, I'm gonna read a quote here. Papini's kidnapping hoax was a deliberate, well planned was deliberate, well planned and sophisticated. Prosecutors wrote in their court filing. And she was still falsely telling people she was kidnapped months after she pled guilty in April to staging the abduction and lying to the FBI about it, they wrote. So even if she, she admitted uh, she pled guilty, she was still still telling people that she was actually kidnapped. She is a unique one. The nation is watching the outcome of Papini's sentencing hearing. Assistant, Assistant U.S. Attorney's Veronica L. Alegria and Shelley Wagner wrote, the public needs to know that there will be more than a slap on the wrist for committing financial fraud and making false statements to law enforcement, particularly when those false statements result in the expenditure of substan- substantial resources and implicate innocent people. Um, they also said, outwardly sweet and loving, yet capable of intense deceit. Ms. Papini's chameleonic, so like a chameleon, Personalities drove her to simultaneously create family security and the freedom of youth. So in pursuit of a nonsensical fantasy, um, the married mother fled to a former boyfriend in Southern California, nearly 600 miles south of her home in Reading. And um, they go you know, through exactly everything that happened. Here's, here's how I look at this being a straight guy. Um, pretty sure that the reason Sherry Papini is like this is probably she's gotten everything that she's ever, ever wanted in her life because of her looks. I will admit she's an attractive woman. She's crazy. <laughs> and everybody should stay away from her, both you know, men and women, who whoever. Everybody should stay away from her. But there is no doubt in my mind that um she has just never been told no in her life i've known women like this like of course there's men like this too uh, i'm not saying this is particular to women but being a straight guy it's probably more of a concern that women are like that and you you have to notice those things if you know you become interested in a woman and she send you know is starts sending out all those vibes and everything You got to get away fast. And she, Sherry Papini strikes me as a person who has never been told no in her life. And I think that she thought given previously in her life, she was able to get away with things, lie with things. And people do, you know, people do, you know, mainly men probably would just go along with it because of the way she looked. And uh this is what it's got her. And uh we'll see what she chooses to do with the rest of her life um after she gets out of jail, and we'll see what kind of job she's going to be able to get. It, I, here's what I do, and I know this is a family program. We don't swear on this program, we stay away from um any uh any you know stuff like that. It would not surprise me at all. If when she gets out of jail, she goes and makes some sex tape, that seems totally, totally, totally congruent with with everything in a way so as to pay off that restitution, that she goes out there and makes some sex tape and sells it. That would not surprise me at all. So, um, but I… You know, I'm glad to say that I was uh, suspicious about this whole the whole time. Uh, the whole thing about two women, whether they were Hispanic or black or Asian or white or whatever else, never sat right with me. It never did. You know, of course, I entertained other ideas. But on top of that, there were no other stories of women going jogging and two women trying to abduct the jogger. Yeah. Wow. And of course her uh, husband is divorcing her and probably is certainly going to get the kids. However, I'm still not sure that he was totally in the dark regarding all this to be honest. Uh so let's see what everybody is saying regarding uh this. Is there a video about why you're going to Colorado to testify join your podcast after and don't know about it. Oh, I'm sorry. M Uh, I did an interview with an alleged murderer, Steve Pankey, back in 2019, and he is now on trial for the murder, the 1984 murder of Janelle Matthews. And what happened was a year ago, my interview that I did with him became part of the evidence for his first trial, in which I was asked to go out there and testify under oath and represent that interview. I did that in October of 2021. Well, that trial ended in a hung jury. So they are trying him again. And if you're new to the podcast, thank you for bringing that up. I just take these things for granted. And thank you. Um, you should go back to October of 2019 or November of 2019 and find the Janelle Matthews episode where I interview Steve. Steve Pankey. There you go. Lasso says, only 18 months for Sherry. And... um. Veronica says, I think she should have gotten more uh, on half. I wonder if she's starting to pay something. Mar- it's, um, shame, shame, Veronica says. Uh, Kathy says, Veronica, she should have to pay back the GoFundMe dollars, at least some of it. Her husband bought a new truck with the dollars, apparently. Did he not know that was wrong? She is crazy. Sherry is an artistic and sociopath. Yep, Sherry is a garbage-hurt human being. And that's a disservice to parents due to their children, cause they eventually pay for it. She will write a book full of lies. She might—I don't know who will buy a book, Veronica. But dare I say it? There will be people who will pay to uh, if she ever puts out a sex tape. I'm telling you, it, it's almost a, a foregone conclusion. I mean, it's three hundred thousand dollars. I mean, what's she going to do? You yeah. know. Um. Marcus says, men tend to think with, yeah, I'm not getting into that, Marcus. Um, uh, Okay, uh, yeah, M, check it out, please. Uh, Veronica, the husband isn't in the dark. Feelings say differently. Thank you, Marlene. Here's the link. Thank you. Here's the link, M, Cherie. M, uh, my assistant, uh, Charlie Bravo right there, the moderator, my assistant, Cherie. She's giving you the link right there. Maybe you'd like to copy and paste that so you can find it as quickly as possible. So there you go, Sherry Papini, going to jail for 18 months. We'll see how she handles that. But I, I only see one way that she's ever going to be able to pay that $300,000 off before she uh, leaves this earth. And I think that's going to be um, making a living taking her clothes off. So let's move to some other things. Uh, an unfound story. Remember the disappearance of Amanda Guillo. This is a disappearance uh, that Unfound covered very early on in its existence within the first year. I think the episode came out in July, June or July of 2017. I had a private investigator, Kevin Ryan, on. He, um, I don't know if he's still working for the family now, but he had been working for the Guillo family trying to figure out what happened to Amanda. Well, there is some news this happened since, the, of course, the update episode came out about three weeks ago. But a property was searched. Um, the, you know, the issue though is that of course they did not give an address. But I got the feeling that it was not close to where Amanda lived at the time. She lived in Upper Derby uh township, which is getting over there near Philadelphia. But there was a property search within the last week. What led Uh, them to this house, to this property, I don't know. Um, Nobody sent me anything. I have not talked to Kevin Ryan, the private investigator, in at least a few years. I did have communication with Amanda's sister at one time, but I haven't spoken to her for a while. So I really don't have any of the, what you might call, inside baseball on why this happened. Now, what I might tell you in general, though, and maybe some, you know, many of you think the same way, is that you know a lot of times when something like this comes out of nowhere, and you, you get the idea that the property that they're searching is nowhere near where the person went missing, you start thinking, is this some sort of um, you know prisoner in jail who uh, is just putting something out there, and it and it got out, so they thought they might go. Check it out. Maybe might be also to open to the idea that uh, maybe Amanda knew somebody who lived on this property, you know, and fever. Don't remember uh, the facts of that uh, disappearance. Uh, I'll just go through them very quickly. Now, Amanda had drug problems, but she was trying to kick them. And I know she was a mother. I don't remember how many children she had, but she had, she was a mother. So she had at least one and she, and, uh, the rest of her family, they went to Disney here in Florida, over to Disney world in Orlando. They had this vacation and virtually the day, or literally the day after they got back, they were all at home. Amanda walked out the door. I think she left her cell phone and person, everything behind and walked off. Didn't say where she was going. Let nobody know. Kind of like what we just had with Paris Hobson, at least. But I think my perception of Paris Hobson is she did not have a lot of the issues that Amanda did. Although I'm certainly open to the idea that Paris had different issues than Amanda Amanda did. But she just walked off. I think they thought that she was just going out there for a couple minutes, come back inside me. I don't know, maybe going to get the mail or something. Never came back, never seen again. And as far as could be determined, um, during my interview with Kevin Ryan, there was no records that she ever called anybody to pick her up. But those are the facts uh, of her disappearance. And But I just don't think where they're searching is near where she disappeared from. Maybe I'll have more information. Maybe I need to reach out to, maybe I need to email Kevin. Um, Maybe I need to uh, contact Amanda's sister. I forget her name right at the second. I suppose those are some things uh, that I could do to try to get more information about all of this. But you have to remember, they might not even know. Kevin might not know. The family might not know. So, but I'll try to find out. But that is an update on a disappearance that um, Unfound is covered. And, and, and I should say my perception of the Guillo family is that they've kept Amanda's name out there pretty well. Even though this disappearance is now eight years old, even though we know Amanda had problems uh, with addictions and things, um, they've kept her name out there pretty well. And so, you know, that uh, law enforcement is trying to do something. We don't know if this tip is good or not, but they're still trying to do something eight years. And we know how people like Amanda DeGuillo sometimes get ignored. Their disappearances aren't taken as seriously as they should be. And that very well may have happened back when she went missing in 2014. It's good to know that eight years later, that, that uh, they're they're taking tips and they're trying to do things even if this might not lead anywhere, if I get more information, I will let you know. So, if you're none familiar, for example, like M, if you've not had a chance to listen to many of the old episodes of Unfound, this is Amanda De Guio's. Uh, that is one that you can find. I uh, came out during the summer of 2017, right around the same time, like the Flight 370 episode came out. The Jennifer Wilkerson episode came out. The Craig Freer episode came out all in that, uh, general area right there. And I don't know why I can even remember these things. Uh, Marcus. Hello, Marcus. By the way, I didn't say hi to you, Marcus. How are you doing? Um, they must've gotten a t- tip. That makes sense. Um, uh, Marlene says, I remember the Amanda podcast. I oh, well, thank you for that. um, Marlene says, I believe that about Sherry when she gets out the tapes. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Um, I think so, too, Marlene. So that is that story, Amanda DeGuillo. Uh You know, I was trying to think today, has her name ever been included in an update episode, like actually in the update section of an episode? I don't think it has. So I guess come December for the next update episode, she will get included. So uh, maybe I'll even have more to talk about. Hopefully I will. Uh, Moving on. I've not had a chance to watch it because I don't think... um, The new Disappeared show. Uh, What's everybody thinking of that? I've not had a... um, You know, I've not had a chance to watch it. You know that... You know, I look at the... The uh, Disappeared show that was out for many years, uh, both pluses and minuses. Uh, I like, of course, the covering disappearances. I think they do it in an efficient way. But I also realize, having covered some of those same disappearances, that um, they sometimes get things wrong and they kind of let things hanging out there without explanation, but they only have 43 minutes to do it. But I know that there's a new Disappeared show out there, maybe by the same producers, but the format and everything is a little bit different. So I'm just uh, asking all of you, if you've watched it, what do you think? Now, coincidentally, the first episode for this new Disappeared show was a disappearance that I covered on Unfound Now, which is, of course, the monthly series that I do on YouTube. And I've been doing that for over two years now. And that was the disappearance of Kristen Bruggemann. Uh This is a disappearance in which she was out with friends and something went on and she just decided to walk off from them. And there were a variety of video cameras that caught her walking on that cold night and showed her walking through this parking lot. And after that video in the parking lot, she was never seen again and so it probably that would have been i think i covered that disappearance at the beginning of 2021 so it's been like a year and a half but that was the first uh disappearance they chose to cover on this new disappeared show um what a coincidence um veronica dad duty's calling me good all right veronica yeah um, well, I'll be thinking of you, Veronica. Thank you. Lassus says, I have not watched the new disappeared yet. Um, fishing and fishing. There you are fishing. Where you been fishing? Where you been? Uh, hey, all you, you too, Ed. That's funny. So let me know what you're thinking of The New Disappeared. Uh, Jasmine says, I posted in the group, and it's a different concept. I did see your post. Thank you, Jasmine. It's a different concept. They let the families talk the whole episode and no recreations. Well, it's almost like I'm designing the show now, Jasmine. Kathy, I like The New Disappeared. You have to discern what you think is accurate and what is not. Uh, Marlene says, I watched The New Disappeared. It's okay. Okay, so we got a variety of – Insights here. Okay. Once again, uh, if you've had a chance to watch it, I'd be interested to see what everybody is thinking of it. Um, how many episodes have come out so far, and what have those disappearances been? I know Kathy probably has this already memorized and everything, but how many episodes and what disappearances have been covered so far? If you if you know, if anybody knows that, I'd like to know. Moving on, I do want to talk about a disappearance uh, that has been solved that was i i have to say was kind of on my radar but um we did not get to cover this disappearance and it is now at least the remains have been solved and that is the disappearance of amy hambrick for some reason uh of course she went missing in november of 2017 so after unfound got started but It was just weird there for a while, maybe late 2017 into 2018, even into 2019. It seemed that no matter where I went to look at information regarding disappearances, Amy's name would come come up. I don't think uh, that I or my assistant Emily made an attempt to ever to try to contact her family. But I think it was talked about, but maybe we just didn't do it or we did and they just never got back to us. But I know that I've never spoke to anybody in Amy's family. But here is the story. Police say a set of remains found last month belong to a woman missing since 2017. At a press conference Tuesday morning, so that would have been last Tuesday, police announced the remains belong to Amy Hambrick, H-A-M-B-R-I-C-K. Yes, this is a a disappearance that is on the Charlie Project, who was last seen in November of 2017. She was supposed to meet up at a friend's house in North Jackson, but her family said she never made it. This is uh, in the Youngstown area, by the way. And probably that's why it was on my mind as well, because my sister, Diane Charles's mother, uh, lives in the Youngstown area. Her remains were found August 26th in a wooded area of the east side off of Thornhill Chief of Detectives Captain Jason Simon said at the press conference, the remains were found by a woman who was looking for her missing dog in the woods. This is how it happens sometimes. I mean, really, how many disappearances get solved by people looking for lost dogs? Many. They were wrapped in a cloth. Uh, The remains were wrapped in a cloth. That doesn't mean when they found the remains, they were wrapped in a cloth. But the remains were found and then wrapped in a cloth. that was then taken to the Mahoney County coroner's office. At the coroner's office, the bones were assembled by Dr. Lauren Leese of the Anthropology Department at Youngstown State University. After the skeleton was assembled, forensic dentists were able to identify Hambrick based on her jawbone and dental records. So I guess they didn't have to use G- DNA. Simon said because of the condition of the remains, the cause of death will be listed as undetermined. And we know how that goes. He added that the case is actively under investigation. Someone knows what happened, Simon said. Simon said that's morbidly funny. Although investigators know the Bones had been in the woods for some time, there's no way to tell by their condition how long they'd been in that location or even how long it had been since Hamburg died. Detectives will be interviewing and re-interviewing people, and other tests will be done on the remains to see if more evidence can be found. Hamburg was last seen in November 2017 in North Jackson. Since her disappearance, the department has used interviews, cadaver-searching dogs, and warrants on electronic devices to try and find her. But they were all uh, done to no avail. Family members were active in trying to find out what happened to her. She leaves behind a daughter. There were three family members at the press conference, but after officials were done speaking, marriage and Mel Tito Brown ushered them out so they would not have to answer questions from the media. Um... Uh, In a statement, the family had asked for privacy. The discovery of Hamburg pairs the list of long-term missing persons cases. The department is working to 14. So they still have 14 unsolved disappearances, I guess, in Mahoning County County in Ohio. Uh, Simon urged everyone who may have information on any of those cases to contact police. Now, I will tell you, uh, once I read this story and uh, collected all the information that what's interesting to me is that the story kind, at least the way it is written now, it's a little paradoxical. It says that she disappeared in the, what was that? The North Jackson area. But then it's on the other hand, it said that she was headed to the North Jackson area area. And her remains though were found off the east side off of Thornhill. Now you should know I looked this up in the map and these two areas North Jackson and Thornhill are not close to each other. They're separated by by like 3 miles. And the issue is um you know I tried to look for it as quick as I could given everything else I had to do today. That um you know I I don't know where she started You know, I don't know where she was. I do get the feeling, unfortunately, it seems to me that Amy had some issues. I think she did have a drug uh, problem, among other problems. And I don't think that she had a permanent address. I don't think. So in trying to find out who the last person was, who anybody believes who saw her, wasn't able to do that. I don't know if she took her phone or anything. I just wasn't able in the time that allotted today to try to figure those things out. Um, If she was headed um, from North Jackson to Thornhill or Thornhill Road to North Jackson Avenue or whatever it is, we don't know if she was planning to walk that or she was getting a ride. Nobody seems to know. I will tell you that... Given what I think I know about Amy, once again, this is not first time I ever read her name. I had looked at her disappearance a few years ago, unfortunately, that I can't remember some of those details. I'm sure I knew some of these details at one point, maybe in 2018, but they're gone now. Um, it just strikes me as this probably is not going to be foul play. It Very well, maybe we never know, because, uh, as they said, the remains are we're out there for a while and we may run into the same situation that we have with Tom Brown's remains and probably will, in my opinion, we always will have unless they find uh, a bullet hole in, in, you know, the marking in her, like on her rib bones or something, or if there's a bullet hole in her head, like Janelle Matthews had, or there are knife wounds that, managed to hit some of her bones so you can see the knife marks and everything. I think we just have to be prepared uh, that Amy Hambrick will never technically know her cause of death. Although I will tell you that probably it has something to do with drugs, walking off, having some sort of overdose and, uh, you know, dying there in the woods. This strikes me, maybe a disappearance that we can compare this to, maybe to Noah Davis's. Maybe we could uh, compare this um, you know, to a couple other, maybe, although I don't think that she was on drugs when she died, but Crystal Morrison, maybe, walking off into the woods, not being in the greatest of health, and collapsing. We have to remember it was November in Ohio. It's going to be cold. Was she dressed for the elements? Was she not? We just don't know. Uh, maybe another disappearance um, that that uh, comes to mind, uh, of course, his remains were eventually found, were, let me, uh, Robbie Hurt, we remember he was an addict and his truck was abandoned and then his remains were eventually found by a road crew, clearing away brush of signs, road signs or something, not too far from where his truck was last left. Um. So this kind of strikes me as being in that kind of vein of disappearance, so we might call this a walk-off, but maybe not. It's certainly possible that somebody killed her, but that would not be my first choice, given what I think I know about the disappearance and then reading this story. So um, I'm sure many of you, uh, All I know many of you cover these disappearances more than I do. Of course, I get very... Um, some tunnel vision, uh, working on Unfound's disappearances. I usually don't know other disappearances that are happening. So maybe some of you know even more about Amy's uh, disappearance than I do. But she has been found. Um, Jasmine says there has been uh, two episodes, Kristen Bruggeman's and Daniel Robinson's. Yes, I've read this. You know, it just... Maybe because it's uh, his disappearance has been featured on on uh, the new disappeared. I've seen I I must be a member of that group or follow that page or something because I've seen a I've seen that popping up in my feed quite a bit. So um, I maybe I, I I'm of course very familiar with Kristen Bruggeman's disappearance, but I'm not as familiar with Daniel Robinsons. I could not tell you any of the facts off the top of my head at all uh fishing says i finally got married and so good take note okay fishing uh i I, you know maybe if uh jennifer aniston is available maybe she'll take pity on it on a guy like me um thank you kathy um marlene i liked when christopher walker narrated. they will be doing jason landry soon i heard that I for some reason i heard that that yes, uh, disappeared. We'll be covering Jason Landry's disappearance. Interesting. Uh, this week should be about a Native American woman not familiar with her disappearance. I did not hear that. Thank you, Kathy. Lost dogs and mushrooms. Um, yes, people going uh, looking for lost dogs find people looking for mushrooms found missing people. Gotcha. I, I had to decipher that for a moment, Sheree. Uh, absolutely. The pro wrestling, uh, Puma, Ed, you're cracking me up tonight. Well, uh, you know, I try to do that Puma because, uh, y- maybe s- many of you don't realize it. Maybe people in the think tank do because, uh, they see me every Sunday and, and, and but you know, you don't, uh, on Fridays, uh, you know, we try to, um, you know, it's a very serious topic. Every Friday is very serious. And so, the live show and maybe the think tank gives me a chance to uh kind of uh, let my hair down a little bit because I think uh the people who know me in person who are are around me all the time you know i i'm a I'm a good one liner guy I have a very dry sense of humor and uh, I'm glad you're seeing that tonight, Puma. thank you. The Pro Wrestling Encyclopedia. Wow, that sounds impressive. She could have overdosed and someone put her in the woods panicking. Certainly true. Certainly could have. Uh, it certainly could have. Probably, once again, not be my first choice, but there, at least at this point regarding Amy's, uh, the recover of her remains, there's certainly no facts to speak that. Certainly. Thank you. Um, I want to read this story next, and I think that we can learn a lot about disappearances from this story even though this doesn't have anything to do with disappearances but when it comes to those the man said type of disappearances where we have a married couple who have been together for years and then the wife goes missing and the husband says oh yeah she went out and jumped in a white truck i don't know who was driving and you know we start thinking how do these things happen of course we automatically think that the husband had something to do with it but we think you know how can it be Married 20 years, married 30 years, married 40 years. And you do something to harm your spouse. What is going on there? I'm going to read this story to you. A dispute between brothers led to a 59-year-old Robert Bracken allegedly killing his own son, brother, and another man before turning the gun on himself In a North Dakota wheat field on August 29th. Towner County Sheriff Andrew Hillier said Friday. Robert Bracken was working the harvest in the northeastern part of the state with his brother, 64-year-old Richard Bracken, and his son, 34-year-old Justin Bracken. The field was owned by 56-year-old Douglas Dolmage, who was also killed. The dispute that led up to the shooting had been escalating for a week or more, the sheriff said. Evidence at the scene indicated that Robert Bracken shot and killed the three men with a three hundred fifty seven caliber revolver before taking his own life. He was in possession of the gun and had a fatal self-inflicted gunshot wound, according to the sheriff. Dolmage was a member of the North Dakota Farm Bureau and served as president for the Benson County Farm Bureau. It's hard to understand why something like this would happen in a rural farming community, North Dakota Farm Bureau President Darrell Lies said in a statement. When evil presents itself, it can be devastating, but we must remember there's more good than evil in our world. Doug's dedication to agriculture and love for his family will be forever remembered. The Brackens were from Leeds, North Dakota, which is about 20 miles southwest of the scene, of the triple murder suicide in Kando, C A N D O, North Dakota, just just some guys farming, going out there, brothers, nephew or son, uh, another guy uh, that they knew very well, and before you know it, the and you know these aren't teenagers who are you know going off. You know, don't know what life is about yet or prone to making horrible decisions. Skies, you know, 50s into their 60s, and they're out in the field, and one of them shoots the rest of them and then shoots himself. You just don't think that these things can happen, but they do. Of course, we know about murder-suicides. We know... um, You know, I'm forgetting his name right now, but the guy coincidentally in Colorado, coincidentally in the same county of Greeley, Colorado, the prosecutor who prosecuted that guy is the guy who's trying to prosecute and send to jail, Steve Pankey. But that guy killed his wife, killed his kids. Didn't get away with it, luckily. But but we know of uh, fathers who kill their wives and children and then do the suicide? Watts, thank you, Sheree. Uh, thank you for that, Christopher Watts. Thank you. Um, these things happen more than we realize. Why they happen? You know, I, I, I we all know. Even in our lives, and none of us maybe, are, none of us are thinking about killing anybody. None of us are thinking about committing suicide or anything else, but we know even in our daily lives that there are things that go in our lives behind. Once again, when we get home at night from our job or maybe you're retired or whatever, there are things that go on in our minds in places we don't like to talk about. Things that go on that people will never know. Now, once again, they might not be of a... Violent nature, they might not be of a felonious nature. They just might be some quirk of our personality or something like that. And so when it comes to this type of situation, when we talk about disappearances on unfound, where we have seemingly people, people in seemingly good marriages, maybe like Angela and Jeff Green or Marilyn Hurley and her husband, even though we know that he was cheating on her and that she found out about that. Rosemary Rapp and her husband, Daniel Sleeper. I mean, the list goes on. This is the kind of situation I envision that happens in those types of disappearances where there's just something finally that pushes somebody over the edge. usually the guy over the edge for whatever reason. It might not even have something to do with anything that is serious at all. And even in this, it it says that this has been brewing. You know, what the issue that these people had, these guys had between each other is not stated. All it says is the dispute led up to the shooting had been escalating for a week or more. No idea what that is. Certainly couldn't have been bad enough to kill people and then commit suicide. And, uh, but so when you're listening to these episodes, and I, I don't know the next time we're going to have uh, one of these, the man said disappearances. There's, I don't think there's currently, well, there one is currently on the docket. That I may do an interview for this weekend, so you can judge it for yourself. But, but um, you know that one, however, in, involves some drug activity and a lot of bad people. But you know, I don't think necessarily. Once again, having named some of these people, Rosemary Rapp and her husband, Angela Green and her husband, these were not people with felony records. They weren't they weren't addicts or anything else. But still, something happened. And I'm guessing if we were to get to know the particulars about Robert Bracken, Richard Bracken, Justin Bracken, and Douglas Dolmage, D-U-L-M-A-G-E, I think we'd find out that none of those guys have any criminal records or any mental illness or anything else. This was just some good old disagreement that eventually got to somebody taking a gun out. And I'm sure it was totally, totally, totally irrational, just probably like these disappearances that we've covered on Unfound are. that in the moment, whatever happened, if we could have been watching this happening as the disappearance, as the violence happened, whatever did happen, we would all probably be looking at it and saying, what is going on here? Why are these people acting like this? This doesn't make any sense. Just like if we were standing in that field that day watching these four guys, obviously, from far away so we don't get shot too, we would probably be hearing their argument and thinking, what what is this? Maybe, okay, they have a disagreement, but what is going on here? Why is that guy pulling out a gun while they're – why did he just shoot those people? This This is how I envision these types of the man-said disappearances, that even if we knew – what the cause was of the disappearance, it still wouldn't make any sense to us, so I wanted to I thought that that, that story it's, I mean it's sad, it's tragic. I mean, just you know, but we try to learn from these uh, situations because there's no, I, you know there's nothing else to salvage. Four people were dead. The, you know the best we can do is try to look at these situations and see how to avoid them. And, you know, and use those situations. Of course, what we do here is disappearances. How can we look at that and apply these disappearances and try to figure out what happened and how do we go about solving them? Um, Marlene says, uh, Marlene uh, says, that is horrible about the shootings. Yes. Uh, Jasmine says, the boss. Uh, Cherise says, what's thank? Once again, thank you. Marlene says, every time I turn around, murder, suicide everywhere. Every day, it seems like. Does seem like that, Marlene. I kind of have to um, agree with you, although this is, you know, what I do. I can't help but read about violent stuff all the time. The Pro Wrestling Encyclopedia, which is still a great name. I live in Detroit and crime is high. But about a month ago, a guy who was bailed out of jail that same day killed his pregnant ex-girlfriend and his dad and stepmom. Luckily, they caught him. I just don't know if there's we're ever going to understand these things. I, I'm inclined to believe that um, this kind of behavior has been something since uh, humans became beings. You just think after all these thousands of years that we can figure out how to you know stop that behavior. Uh, Anthony Todd here in Florida, um, kind of rings a bell. Puma tree. Millions of people don't kill their families. The ones that do get attention because it's so abnormal. Just snapped. Yep. Uh, Marlene says, speaking of disappearances, did you ever find out anything more on Jenny Wood? I'm still working on it. Thank you for asking, Marlene. Uh, My problem has been that just have not been able to reach her. Kathy, I didn't think lots of people kill their kids or families. It's, It's so highly publicized. It is. Or you have this situation like the Pike County murders, right? where nine people got killed in three different buildings and it was a family versus family situation. Yeah, eight members killed for custody. Well planned, yeah. Yeah, um, the road Wrestling says, thank you for liking my screen name. You know, the funny thing is, I'm not even into pro wrestling at all or anything, but anybody who uh, wants to give uh, himself or herself that name on YouTube uh, gets my thumbs up. All right, so that is the murder-suicide story. Um, you know, once again, very, 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 very sad. Just, could these guys not have worked it out? All right, the other big news, and uh, this will probably be the most that I've ever talked about this at all. Even that I, even though I know all of you know about this story, and that is that. Adnan Syed is getting out of prison. A Baltimore judge vacated the conviction of Adnan Syed, who at 18 years old was sentenced to life in prison in 2000 for the murder of his ex-girlfriend, Hey Min Lee. Lee was found strangled to death in Baltimore's Lincoln Park in 1999. Judge Melissa Finn says Syed will be released under home detention. The Office of the State's Attorney for Baltimore City said in the motion filed last week that there was new information about two potential alternative suspects. This detail makes a new trial necessary, prosecutors said. The prosecutors asked the judge judge to vacate the conviction in their recent motion. They are not saying Syed is innocent of the crime. They are saying they lack confidence in the integrity of the conviction. Syed's case received nationwide attention in 2014 with the release of the podcast, release of the podcast, serial, which has been downloaded millions of times. HBO later released its own documentary, The Case Against Adnan Syed. Thousands have closely monitored this case after becoming engrossed by the details of the case, which many believe, with many believing that Syed is innocent. Now, this is where I have to tell all of you that I've never listened to one episode of Serial. I didn't listen in 2014 or any time since. I, of course, eventually uh, became familiar with it. But truthfully, I did not become familiar with it until I started Unfound in 2016. So it had already been going on for two years. I am only generally familiar um, just because this has come up. And I think I knew this was going to be happening I read up on it uh a little bit regarding all this that hey uh the woman this young woman was at school like at one thirty and then she was found strangled she didn't you know she was supposed to pick up uh, a cousin or someone at daycare at three thirty so something and she didn't end up there so something in those two hours uh happened, and obviously she was murdered and it's always uh, interesting, I think, to all of us when somebody's charged with a murder. The the prosecution and the defense gets to present both of its cases, and the uh, the man or the purpo- or the the defendant is found guilty, and then twenty some years later uh, they're saying, "No, we think we got it wrong." So. Once again, uh, I'm not, uh, I've not followed it. I don't know the reasons that they found Adnan uh, guilty. Uh, I don't know, um, you know, did he not have an alibi for that time? It seemed that it took a while for police to track him down. He was this young woman's ex-boyfriend, which ex-boyfriends are always going to be a great choice when a murder happens of a woman. Um, but it does seem that there were at least two other, as they mentioned in the article, and I even read uh some other things online where these two other people are named. And maybe they seem like good suspects as well. And on top of that, she did have a boyfriend at the time. So there was Adnan, the ex-boyfriend, and then the boyfriend she had at the time. And still, after all of that, Adnon, uh Adnan was the guy who got um charged convicted and now they're saying that maybe they got it wrong and it does seem to me that one of the reasons they're changing their mind is because uh there was dna found on this young woman but none of it was connected to adnan adnan i think i'm saying that right mr syed and but interestingly though it doesn't seem like they've been able to connect that DNA to anybody else either. So you would think, and the, you know, the issue, I think, is that these other men who have been named as possible suspects, you would think their DNA would be in the system because they're both felons. So, not sure what to think. Now, I will tell you that if this were a disappearance say her body had not been found you know yeah you, you always got to look at boyfriend i mean boyfriends and ex-boyfriends make you know good suspects and if you can't rule them out then where else are you to go it it um the issue is did this young woman know these other guys she surely knew her boyfriend she surely knew her ex-boyfriend Uh, It's just unclear to me how she would have run into these other two guys were mentioned. Uh, I think what caught a lot of people's attention is that this one of those other men had actually, of course, she is Asian. Another, this guy had strangled, if not killed, another Asian woman back at that time. Maybe there's some sort of copycat here, or maybe this guy did it and he prefers killing Asian women. I guess that's possible. I just don't know enough about the particulars, but I, I know that if this was a disappearance and Heyman Lee had never been found, I know in any interview that I would have done with her family, certainly we would have been talking about, well, where was her? what is her ex-boyfriend's alibi at the time of her disappearance? What is the alibi of her boyfriend for her boyfriend at the time of her disappearance? And I guess what we're saying here is maybe one of the reasons that Mr. Sayed got convicted is that his alibi was not that solid. That doesn't mean it wasn't true. He very well may not have killed uh, Haman Lee at all. But for some reason, it seems like his alibi was not enough to uh, persuade the jury that he didn't do it. I know it's innocent until proven guilty, but... You know, maybe that was the problem. I, it's just hard for me to tell. I'm sure all of you uh, have followed it a lot closer than I do. But I, at this point in my life, with the work that I do, I look at these as disappearances, and I start imagining, if this is a disappearance. If this were a disappearance, how would I go about talking to the family and what questions I would ask? And, of course, these are some of the things that would come up. And very well, if this had been a disappearance, we might have covered it on Unfounded by this time. And um might have been able to establish, you know, you know, where were these guys when this all happened. So he's out. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's not guilty, but it's a big deal. I mean, 20, you know, over 20 years in jail and getting out, crazy. Um, Tree says serial was the first podcast I've ever listened to. I still have not listened to it. Yeah, he was released today. They have 30 to see days to see if they can get him a new trial or not. Sheree uh, says, this is the serial is basically how we met Ed, all thanks to Mr. Syed in a roundabout way. I, I guess you could say that, Sheree. 30 days, I meant. Sheree says, if you only listen to serial, Syed appears innocent. The other side of the story makes things a little more questionable. And there's hope for change. Thanks for another great two hours with Sherry P. I think she'll get out and marry Rich. It happens. Yeah, well, that guy better uh, keep one eye open at night. There's hope. Look at Carla Homolka up in Canada and speakable crimes. Got out and married rich. I don't think there's going to be a tape. There's hope. Thank you for the comment. Thank you for your generous contribution through the Super Chat function tonight. I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much. Good to see you here tonight. Thank you. Um... Shri, maybe we only got about five minutes left, but Sheree, uh, what do you uh, do? You think that Adnan is uh, guilty or what? And maybe all of you who have also listened to Serial, maybe this would be a good time to put in your opinions as to what who you think killed Haman uh, Lee as well. Mm, the, Sherry, I already had fan mail. Carla certainly more disgusting than Sherry. Okay, and Lassa says, "Will you play the piano for us?" I would have to practice a little bit more, uh, lasso, but I do have a keyboard. Um, but, uh, have not been doing too much of that recently. I really should get back to it. Thank you for reminding me. All right. Let's go to this Friday's episode. Uh, this Friday, we welcome back to the podcast, Joe Kistner. Of course, he was one of two people I interviewed for the disappearance of Milton McQuillan. That was a disappearance that happened in 1975 in Minnesota. Well, now we are moving up one year to 1976, but staying in Minnesota for the disappearances of Bernard Russness and his uh, girlfriend. They are not technically married. uh, Peggy McKay. Now, you should know that if you go to the Charlie Project, uh, her last name is Peggy Parmenter, P-A-R-M-E-N-T-E-R. But technically, it's supposed to be McKay, M-C-K-A-Y. Bernard Rusness and Peggy McKay. They were a couple and they lived together, uh, had been a couple for like about 10 years. And they had a son together. His name was Brian. Well, on April 3rd, 1976 in Wolf Lake, Minnesota, a fire occurred at their residence. Firefighters showed up, put out the blaze. And unfortunately they found the partial remains of their son, Brian. They all in the the house was a total loss, fell in everything. They also found one of the family's dogs in the ashes, the bones. But Bernard and Peggy's remains were not found. Hmm. And so, since then, of course, there have been a lot of speculation as to what happened with this did somehow they get trapped in the fire and did the fire burn hot enough long enough to totally incinerate them or did they set the fires themselves kill their son to get away or did somebody come to the house take that those two away and then murder the son and and set the house on fire It will be up for you to decide. Of course, this is not even close to the first time we've discussed fire on Unfound. Of course, Laura Bible and Ashley Freeman, uh, Dorian Myers, Tyler North, Jeremy Burke, just to name a few. But that's why this episode is called When the Smoke Clears. What are we supposed to do when the smoke clears? After the fire is done? how do we go about analyzing a disappearance now you should know in all of those others where fire has been involved pretty much in all of them we think that it was foul play will that thinking continue for this disappearance i'll be very interested to hear all of your uh read all of your comments hear your thoughts uh As I am every week, every time a disappearance comes out. And of course, we'll post the poll in the discussion group. So all of you who are in the discussion group get to decide, you know, get to make your choice. Now, you should know just so you are if you are unfamiliar with the science. After the interview plays, I will be going through the science of what it takes a body to burn. The temperature, the time, comparing the way they do it like at funeral homes comparing it to the situation that this house was in back in 1976. And so I want to just going to present the facts to you. You can determine if you think they got caught up in the fire and that's where they weren't found or did something else happen? So that's it. Uh, Two hours. It goes by so fast. Um, Let's see what everybody else uh, you should do well. Maybe I will. Piano and song Ed. Yes, that's me. Yes. I once believed Syed was innocent. Not so sure now. There's a good doc that shows the evidence against, I think it's called the case against Adnan. My guts, my gut says he's guilty. Marlene's still here. Good night to everybody. Hope you're feeling better. Great to always see you in the chat, Marlene. Thanks for making time. So what we do? We talked about uh, just doing some disc golf practicing. The Queen's funeral. Talked about my nephew John getting married next week. Of course, the Hobson poll. Don't forget about the Pickering Six book on Amazon. Speaking engagements. Uh, showed I did a little show and tell. The new disappeared series, Amanda DeGuido. I'm um, probably going back to Greer the Colorado. An art heist, Amy Hambrick. Um, this murder suicide, Sherry Papini. Uh, Adnan Syed. I mean, All in two hours. How do I do it? And then finally, this Friday, the disappearances of Bernard Rustness, the disappearances of Bernard Rustness and Peggy McKay. Thank you all so much for listening, watching. If you're listening uh, as the podcast, please uh, give this, uh, you know, some nice marks. Please give this video a thumbs up. If you're not yet subscribed in your podcast app to this podcast, do so this is own podcast now and um thank you the pro wrestling encyclopedia you're very welcome there's hope good night everybody keep your heads on a swivel great show yes thank you Cherie. great seeing all of you and uh, thank you so much for making time on your monday night and for all of you listening thank you for taking time to listen to this new live show podcast good night everyone